Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it's had on their lives. My name is Nolan Bignall. Today's guest is a very special one. Uh, I'm very honored to welcome Dan Lucier to Because and Effect today. Uh, he's the director of Ruzo Compassion Network, an organization that leads 15 healthcare communities covering all aspects of health and social care. Uh, he is a very wise man. He's involved with several boards in volunteer positions, and he was actually recently added to the Winnipeg Foundation Board of Directors as well. You know, there's so many people, so many organizations are doing so many great things. And a lot of the solutions to some of our problems, I actually think are all out there. They may not be scalable yet or whatever. I just think um, it's going to require investments to, to make a dent in a lot of the challenges that are in front of us today. And philanthropy is going to be part of the question. It's going to have to be. It's going to help. It's going to have to drive part of our ability to, to respond, right? I sat down with Dan Lucier to talk about maintaining connection in an increasingly disconnected world inspiring compassion by practicing presence, and why we have to continue fighting for equity, equality, and social justice. And we're now joined via Zoom by Dan Lucier. He's the CEO and the director of the Rezo Compassion Network, and he's an incoming board member at the Winnipeg Foundation. Dan, thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, happy to be here, Nolan, and spend a little time. So it's, uh, it's nice to be here. It's great to have you. Um, you are an expert. Well, I don't know if expert's the right word, but you uh, have experience in many different uh, areas of the city. But number one with the Rezo Compassion Network is healthcare. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about healthcare. But maybe before we get into sort of the big picture stuff, tell me about the Rezo Compassion Network. Uh, you're the director and the CEO. For people who haven't heard of it, what is, what is your mission? What do you guys do? And, and what's it all about? Yeah, so Réseau Compassion Network uh, is an organization that's been around for about 20, 20 years now. Uh, it was actually created by the Grey Nuns uh, of Montreal, uh, who uh, over the years had developed a number of uh, health and human service agencies that a lot of people would be familiar with, St. Boniface Hospital, St. Emma, uh, to name a few. Uh, and uh, they basically, uh, you know, realized, I mean, I think the average age today is uh, 83 or 84 for uh, these uh, pioneering women. Uh, and, and they kind of said, look, we've always worked with community. What are we doing with these organizations into the future? So can we create something that might uh, take the responsibility on for these missions and make sure that uh, we can do our part to help shepherd them well into the future? And so Réseau Compassion uh, was born uh, and uh, we accepted, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the term could be used sponsorship for people who are, are probably more familiar with kind of a, a business environment. You know, you maybe call it like a parent company of a number of health and human service agencies that were nurtured by these uh, various congregations over a period of time. And so our, our mission, you know, we, we, we'd like to talk about it as simply as possible is that uh, we'd like to be able to empower people, foster solutions to prevent and alleviate suffering where the needs are greatest. And I think every one of the organizations that are part of the network do that today. And uh, we're very curious about what else we might do in the future uh, to help uh, community think through other challenges uh, that are in front of us and what either our network organizations or Rizzo Compassion can do to, uh, to lend a hand and, and, uh, and be there for others. So there's 15, is it right that there's 15 sort of organizations under the umbrella? Yeah, there's uh, there's about uh, 13 different health and human service agencies here in, in Manitoba, and we've actually got a little bit of a footprint in Quebec. We've got a couple cool. of organizations we've been involved with there in response to some of the needs of uh, the, the congregations, in particular the Great Nuns, uh, who've asked us to uh, to see if we can lend a hand on a, on a few things. And one is uh, really a living uh, a facility where we can uh, care for the aging sisters uh, by providing them, you know, housing and support services, and uh, you know, just could create good environments, caring environments for, for them. Right. With so many organizations, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of sharing of best practices and making sure everyone's on the same page of what's working the best. So what are some of the biggest challenges to having so many organizations working along the same goals? And what are some of the trends that you see that everyone's sort of reporting back saying, like, here's what we're seeing, especially during COVID-19? Like, what are, what, are you, what is everyone telling you guys? And how are you trying to respond uh, to all these different, uh, you know, directions from, from orgs? Well, specifically during, uh, you know, the past year and a half, I think, 
you know, specifically around COVID, what, what we are hearing is, uh, you know, both the, the yin and yang of, of, of each organization doing incredible things to keep people safe, the extraordinary uh, commitments that everybody uh, throughout the organizations make, particularly the front care uh, providers uh, to do that. But at the same time, you know, there's challenges in that, you know, to, to keep that pace up for, for a long time. So there's a lot of fatigue out there. Um, so, you know, a little bit of both uh, is going on. Uh, lots of stories over the years where communities just stepped up in, in appreciation of this, uh, this caring industry that's uh, been uh, highlighted over the past, uh, you know, uh, 18 months and, and probably will continue to be and hopefully should be well yeah. into the future. Um, so those are those are those are things that are that are ongoing. There's been many many challenges, uh, you know, uh, staffing levels, uh, you know, making sure we've got proper PPE and uh, you know a whole slew of things that I'm sure everyone's been made aware of over the time. But again, you know, I go back to just not only within our network, everybody, everybody's done uh, their utmost to do what they can to uh, again keep people safe and uh, and go from there. So let's talk a little bit about the response and then let's talk a bit about looking forward. How do you think Manitoba and Quebec, if you're familiar with their sort of situation, uh, has done so far? What do you think has worked well? What do you think we've needed to improve upon? And, and what are you seeing from your perspective? Yeah, so we've been, uh, we, we haven't been that uh, involved on the front lines of, of this stuff, um, uh, of the response. I mean, as our role is... Uh, to allow those boards and management teams to do their work, right? So we do our best not to uh, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, to trip over them. Um, you know, look, I'll start off by saying, uh, you know, no one's been through this before, and everyone's been been trying to figure it out. And so some things have have worked and well, and some things haven't. You know, have been you know misfires. Hopefully, with with corrections. So, you know, I'll be our first to admit that it, it uh, things have worked well. Things have been a little uh, challenging. So, uh, I think you know, in these cases, sometimes we have to be a little um, a little more compassionate. Sometimes uh, when things aren't going well, um, you know, I'm just thinking of you know contact tracing, uh, those kind of issues. Uh, but again, uh, we are where we are, and, and I, mean, I know I'm speaking in generalities and perhaps not in in specifics. Uh, but you know, hopefully, right now. Um, the right players will get uh, what we need out there in terms of vaccines, that the distribution is going to get a little more um, coordinated um, and that we can do that as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our most vulnerable. Let's get to our uh, care providers and then let's work our way through this. So, I mean, that's, I think everyone's sort of saying the same thing. We're in this for a while. Uh, there's going to be some challenges that uh, still lie ahead and there's going to be surprises. You got variants out there that we're dealing with. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a journey still, mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, we got some work ahead of us. What's so? What's your educational background, and are you from Winnipeg originally? And what like where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I'm uh, born and raised in uh, Winnipeg. Here, I spent a couple years as a youth in Port Moody, BC, uh, then came back to uh, Manitoba. Spent uh, about four years in Ottawa when I was. Uh, you know, late or early 20s, and then came back to Winnipeg. It keeps drawing me back. I love this place. I love this community. Uh, my educational uh, uh, is uh, background is, is 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 an unusual one. In fact, uh, I started off uh, in university for a year or two, and uh, uh, let's just say it was not necessarily the best fit. Uh, and that's where I, I got out into uh, the workforce and just uh, had. Uh, great people and great opportunities uh, to, to allow me to take on some responsibilities. And my journey has been a winding one since then, taking on you know, obviously some uh, courses here and there along the way, but no no formal education. Uh, I did a certificate in communications at La Cité Collégiale in Ottawa. Uh, that was uh, about the extent of the formal piece uh, up until more recently. Now I'm going to be one of those. I think I think uh, I think at 65 you get to go back to school for free at university. <laughs> so you're probably going to see me in university classes down the road. Well, you go, never hey, wait a minute. You know how did what, what, Oh, this is how it worked. Oh, yeah. And I just take all this lived experience and go, yeah, geez, could have known that. Or hey, no, actually. <laughs> yeah, but the lived experience is sort of the best teacher, really, because you know you can read about things in a book till your till your eyes bleed, but until you actually experience it, you can't really put a 
price on you that. You know, it, it, there's it's, there's so many ways to uh, to learn, and I value edu uh, the education system the system in the university a lot too. I mean, I you know I think there's a whole bunch of different uh, ways to learn. I've just been one of those really really lucky people where you know uh, probably a lot of privilege, right, uh, to be able to uh, access opportunities uh, that just wonderful people have given me. And and again, I just think of all the people I've worked with over the years. You know, it, uh, I know it's kind of cliche, but you know, you aren't as good as the people around you and the connections you can make. And, uh, you know, I've been, again, surrounded by wonderful people that have helped me learn along the way. Um, and so there you go. But I did a bunch of different things, uh, Nolan, involved in uh, kind of the political system a little bit, the nonprofit mm -hmm. side, uh, uh, did Festivals Voyageurs for a few years. Uh, and then and then a, uh, this uh, opportunity came up uh, to be with the Réseau Compassion Network. And it's just been a, a really uh, meaningful learning journey uh in of itself so, well, so there yeah, you go. a jack of all trades by the sounds of it it's i was going to ask you about how you're feeling about the you know all did all virtual um festival this year i i lived for two years just like about two blocks away from the the, the location in saint boniface there and i every year we would be down there so as your time as, as executive director of that organization how are you feeling about this year being you know only virtual you know, kudos, kudos to the group to figure out how to make it happen. Like, you know, that's like creativity and good on you, right? So, uh, yeah, look, let's uh, let's see how this goes. I'm uh, I'm wishing Festival, a, you know, real real uh, a real success this year, and uh, hopefully next year we can all find ourselves back into the park and. Uh, you know, enjoying some outdoor balmy winter weather and uh, some good joie de vivre. No kidding. Yeah, I think after this thing all shakes down and we're allowed to sort of enjoy life again, I think people yeah. are going to go a little nuts. Like, I think people are going to party a little bit hard from from what I'm gathering. There's you a know, urge it, out there. It's really nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, if anything... Yeah, if anything, the sense of connection, right? I think for a lot of people, we... we, we uh, we haven't really realized the importance of that, to be with others, uh, to be in the presence of others, to be present with others. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a whole bunch of people I work with and, you know, I, I don't think without COVID-19, we would have been telling each other over Zoom calls, hey, I miss you. Mm -hmm. You know, and these are, these are, these are work, you know, work colleagues. So it's kind of fun that, uh, you know, those are some benefits, I think, yeah. uh, to, to what we've been living. But yeah, the sense of connection, boy, it's going to be fun. There'll be a lot of good, uh, good celebrations when we can, uh, we can finally connect in, in, in larger groups. Right? That's, that's exactly what my conversations have been about too, is, is recognizing the, um, sort of the things we've taken for granted, you know, going out for beers with my hockey team or, or having a couple of drinks with my volleyball team after, you know, go and sit in the park, whatever it might be with friends. Like you just think that that's just, that's what life is. But when it's taken away, you realize, oh, this is actually fundamental to my mental health, my physical health, like my, my community's health and, and all of the above. Right. It's, it's, you know, you, you, you hit it on the head and uh, I, I know this discussion has been floating around for a while and I think it's picking up more and more steam, but uh, I know the UK is well ahead of us on this, and I know we have some CEOs that have been really, you know, paying attention to this, for example, out at uh, St. Amand, but loneliness, mm -hmm. right? Loneliness is so, uh, our need as human beings for connection uh, is, is so healthy and so good. And, uh, you know, when that's not, when that's not there, people don't have those opportunities or for whatever reasons, you know, um, you know, life's life's dealt them the, you know, disconnection, right? Um, yeah, that's it's it's important. Right? It might, Some I mean, big it, things. It might be a secondary pandemic with the mental health crises oh, yeah, that many people sure. are going to be going through, right? Sure. It's going to be tough. For sure. I mean, you you've had so many connections to so many different boards and organizations. What? How did that get instilled in you? Was that instilled in you at a young age to to want to give back and to and to be on boards and to volunteer and to help out the community? Yeah, like it's interesting. Um, I know you, you sent out some things to think about before we're we're chatting today, um, but one of the things was your first your first cause, right? And I gotta say, like it it, it, it took me a while to sit back and reflect about, well, yeah, how did this all actually all start? And it was actually uh, the community radio station that I come in with Francophone. It was called Sikaxet. And it was, uh, I don't know who it was that, that knew me. And I was like, I, maybe, 
barely 18. Uh, and, and someone said, you know, hey, would you come and sit on a board? Uh, you know, the organization's having a tough time right now. And I'm going sitting on a board like I knew nothing, nothing. But it was our francophone, our community radio station and a way for the community to be able to hear its own stories. And, and, and so, so I got involved. And, and I, again, no idea what I was doing, but somehow we, we figured it out. Um, you know, I'm really happy to see, you know, Aval Catramayons is still still around. But that was the first kind of uh, opportunity uh, to, to get involved. And then, and then from there, it's just you knew, you knew that yeah, okay, you're gonna get involved where you can, and uh, other opportunities, you know, just kept on kept on coming. So that you know, so that's where it was instilled. Like you know, get involved, get involved. You learn so much, and sometimes it's crazy, and sometimes it's stressful, and sometimes it's magical, and and yeah, so get out there, right? Yeah. When people think volunteerism, they think it's going to cost you time and energy and everything, but they, but not a lot of people who haven't done it don't understand what you actually get back from the experience. Can you talk a little bit about what you've gained over the years on, on various boards and, and, you oh, know? I mean, what do you get back? I mean, sure. I think most people say, you know, how much time is this bit boy, man, what do you get back? Well, a, uh, just learning about the thing that you might be passionate about even more. Uh, and even sometimes, you know, learning about something you never thought you might learn about uh, the people you meet uh, and the things you learn from the people that are around the table and the management teams that are in the organizations and the staff and the situations. And I mean, you're going to, wow. I mean, you're sitting around a board, you, you, getting involved at, uh, from a volunteer perspective, uh, and that's what I'm speaking to specifically is getting involved at a, at a governance level, man, it's just an enriching experience. It's just, uh, there's so much to gain, uh, from those opportunities. Do you think Winnipeg is unique in, in any sort of way when it comes to community spirit and the sort of togetherness that we have? I've, I've heard that parroted, but I'm not sure, like you've worked in other places. What, what do you think about Winnipeg itself? Yeah, I can't. Like, I mean, my 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 reference point would mostly be Ottawa, where I spent maybe four years, and and that's a town where it's, you know, I, you know, the joke was, and I, and I love Ottawa. It's you know, great people, but you know, find find someone who's actually from Ottawa. But anyways, um, that's just a. It's not a shot at Ottawa though. Yeah. It's just great, great, great people. Uh, you know, I don't have any. Uh, uh, you know, empirical evidence around this. I don't, I don't know what to draw it to, but I do have a sense of feeling that Manitoba understands community, right? Um, you know, I like to philanthropy-wise, uh, philanthropy I think there is some data out there that might suggest that, you know, every year we're, you know, top-notch givers, you know, in terms of wanting to give back. Uh, I, I look at all the, uh, you know, different events, major events that are come through town that always require, uh, you know, support. I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, uh, be involved in the past uh, Canada Games, and I was involved in uh, trying to get the volunteer uh, stuff going. And you know, again, you know, just Winnipeg are showing up all the time. You know, and so there's 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 a there's a great deal of that. I think that's alive and well. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great Manitoba is a great place. It is for sure. Completely agreed. Um, so congratulations on your appointment to the Winnipeg Foundation Board. Now uh, I understand you've served on different committees and stuff, and and worked with the foundation for a while. What what are your thoughts? Just sort of maybe big picture on the philanthropic philanthropic role in our society, and 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 the role that that plays to try to help people, you know, elevate people, and and help them out as much as possible. Yeah. Well, I think. Now, without stating the maybe the obvious in these times, you know, I think philanthropy is going to become even more important. It always has been, but I think it's going to become even more important, right? Um, we have big discussions to have as community around uh, the fiscal situation of our levels of government. I think there's a grown-up conversation required again around taxation and what kind of community do we want to build and how do we want to build that? What's the right amount of investment required? Um, but we're going to need other people to step up and other sources of funding that can help, you know, cover some holes or be the innovators or be the instigators uh, mm. uh, to make things whole, right? Or to get things moving, uh, because I think we can't just always think it's government's solution to uh, to fix. Uh, so yeah, those contributions become important. Uh, and the Winnipeg Foundation, look, hey, it is a huge. A contributor to the fabric of our community and 
where we may be going as a community and our aspirations and our dreams. So, you know, that's so philanthropy is going to be important. It's going to be important. So there's kind of a little bit of a dry answer, but there you go. No, it's a good answer though. And I think it all comes down to the connections. Like we've, we've talked about it, you know, already quite a bit, but it's the relationships you make, the connections you make and the sort of community organizing that you can do to come together and be like, Hey, here's some problems. Here's some people. Let's let's put that together and solve them, right? Put together, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me, it's this this notion of a you know of a catalyst, right? And again, how do you how do we continue to you know? There's so many people, so many organizations are doing so many great things, um, and a lot of the solutions to some of our problems, I actually think, are all out there. They may not be scalable yet, or whatever. Um, I just think um, it's going to require investments to to make a dent in a lot of the challenges that are in front of us today. And, Philanthropy is going to be part of the question. It's going to have to be. It's going to help. It's going to have to drive, you know, part of part of our ability to to respond, right? What do you What do you say if you come across a, a, a conversation where someone's like, "Oh, that's not my problem," you know, like like that's not my thing to worry about. Someone else will handle that. Like, how do you how do you approach people with that attitude? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's tough. Uh... <laughs> You seem like an optimistic guy, so I'm curious, like, what your approach yeah, is. Yeah, hey, you know, well, sure, I'm, I'm optimistic, and I've also, you know, I, I can also get up on days where the glass, the glass is half uh, uh, empty sometimes too. You know, I, I just, I guess I'm, I'm, uh, I've been involved in a, in a project in, in our organization that, that, you know, around compassion and can you, can you create conditions for compassion to flourish? within people, within organizations. It's, it's, a, it's an important conversation, I think, in our time of such busyness and disconnection. And I guess through that, one, one of the takeaways for me is, is nothing exists onto itself. I mean, it's almost a Buddhist saying that I don't wanna, <laughs> but it, 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 we depend on each other. We need each other. Nothing, I, I mean, we're, we're talking on a computer right now. I mean, I mean, how many hands went to make this happen to get it to my place, this mic, this, I mean, so, you know, not my problem. Oh, wow, hey, like we're, we're all in this together. And uh, I think, you know, if go back to COVID, if there's anything that uh, somebody hopefully realizes, man, this is, this world is small and we are all connected really yeah. tightly. So, you know, I, I'm not sure I'd have enough time to go into all of that with someone thinking that way, but you know, that's yeah. my approach to this is man, like we're, it's it. We, we, we need each other. We depend on each other. And, and if anybody thinks differently, I think they're living in a, in a world that just, it's just not real. We're all on the same boat. Let's try to all paddle in the same direction, right? Yeah. 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 Well, if we can, and it's okay yeah. if we're not all paddling the same way and, you know, diversity, I wouldn't, you know, like diversity is so important too, right? And w different ways of looking at things and doing things. And that's an important piece of how this whole thing continues to <laughs> continues to evolve. Yeah. I like what you, I want to drill down a little bit about what you said about creating an atmosphere, creating conditions where it's easy to be compassionate. Um, can you expand on that a little bit and just like, how do you, how do you do that in, in, on, in a big picture sort of wide scale citywide approach? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so my, 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 so we spent some time looking at this. I, you know, I can get, get into some, some technicalities around this, but I'll try to try to keep this kind of, kind of simple. And, and the, this kind of model comes from, uh, Stanford University, they have a, a whole department or program around altruism and, and compassion that they develop, brings together neuroscience, cognitive science, all this stuff. I won't bore you with cool. details. But, but, you know, compassion is, is, a, is, a, is a dynamic process, right? And it, some would suggest what's required is you, you need to be present. You need to learn to be present in the moment first. And then uh, you need, so the model is be, care, do. And so you need to be present. And then once you're present and open and can see that suffering, because that's what compassion's about, the challenge on the other side in relationship with, it's always in relationship with others, but you can be compassionate yourself. But then you got to have an open heart. And that's where things get messy uh, because, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to be with, uh, with, with, with challenging situations, right? But as we, we build skills to be able to be with challenging environments, 
all the stories in our heads that come with that, do we keep an open heart? Then there's something natural that then pulls us into wanting to do and be of service. And so be care, do. But it really starts with our ability to be present. And, I, and for me anyways, I'm discovering, uh, and it's been my journey, boy, uh, it's if I can just be present more often in every moment, in every encounter, that will then build an opportunity for a sense of connection to the other. And that sense of connection to the other should dethrone me from the center of the universe to say, hey, what can I do to help? And, and so there you go. I mean, I, that's a, that, you know, doing my best to give you my, my thinking around that. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, compassion starts, I think, with, with each, each individual. Just, you know, if anything, um, you know, taking time to try to connect more. It kind of, it, it, it kind of, I've been thinking like being present is something I think about a lot in, in the interview process, right? Like you're sitting down and talking to someone and you better, like a lot of times in conversations, you hear the old thing of you're not even listening. You're just waiting for your turn to talk. Right. And it's kind of, sure. it, it's, it's helped me, doing this whole project. This whole podcast project has helped me become more present and stuff. Have you always been good at it or is it a growing process? <laughs> I'm guessing not. Oh, no, I've been terrible at it. Once, once you, and again, a lot of the programming that we're uh, we're, we're offering is all contemplative programming, right? Mm -hmm. So it's based on, um, you know, and there's a lot of science behind, you know, meditation and contemplation, right? Uh, just to be able to stop the chatter in your brain. The minute you start looking at this, the, well, for me anyways, the minute you go, oh my God, I've been living in my head probably 90% of my life, right? And so now you start going, what about, and, and, and I think I've been a good friend and a good father, a good, and, and connecting well, but boy, uh, I haven't been good at it. And it's something that you just continue to, you just got to keep working at it. I think, yeah, it's it's very hard to not empathize or sympathize with someone when you're truly present and listening to what, what they're saying, right? Because we're all, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. It's when you see the political divide these days when so many people think like these, the, the other side are my enemies and it's like everyone just wants safety, happy, happiness, health. You, they want their families to be safe, their communities to be, you know, taken care of. But how, how do we bridge this divide when the two sort of, conflicting uh, ideologies often th just you know push the other away uh, how, how, how do we i mean this is a gigantic question well, obviously it's a gigantic have, question yeah. yeah but you're hitting on on the the important questions today how can we work at at work how can we work at this and i think there are ways we we, we can as communities i mean that sense of uh the, the other or you know when i hear you talk you know the the, the term i've i've seen in the past is our common humanity what binds us together as human beings on this planet, right? It's the need for connection. It's the need to be uh, healthy and loved and have my place and be able to contribute. Everybody desires to, that in some way, I, you know, would suppose. Um, but but we're in a time where, wow, you know, if we just talk about the past four years and our uh, neighbors to the, to the south, like, man, we can't get caught into this uh, enemy. You know, I still, you know, yeah we got to be careful and, and i think there's ways that we gotta always be open to the other right always be open to the other yeah um, and yeah then that's hard work that's, sure. you know that's hard work um that's hard work and yeah. and i do think there's ways to you know we can we can work work at that right? we're well, trying to do our little part in in health and human services uh you know in our investments in compassion project programming these contemplative kind of programmings that uh, you know it's mindfulness uh, mindful self-compassion uh you know uh, uh compassion cultivating training all these programs and, and what we're doing is we look at all the people on the front lines that every day every day are faced with situations that people coming through their doors that you know are having a challenge of some sort and they're the ones there and boy what are we doing to nourish their ability to just stay present and stay, you know, and if you look at healthcare, it's just a, such a complex environment. So kudos to everyone who's, uh, you know, showing up every day to, to care for others. So what are we doing to make some investments to make sure they have the tools and, 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 and little skills that allow them to, uh, you know, continue to be resilient and present yeah. to the other in, in that caring environment, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it has to be hats off to those people who are on the front lines and dealing. Like, I, I think about this all the time with, with paramedics or police or, or, you know, nurses, anyone who's dealing with the problems that are the most difficult to solve 
in our society. How does that, how do you not take that home? How do you not like go, you know, go to bed at night thinking about those situations that you've seen that no one should be subjected to, let alone, you know, experience themselves? Like what, what are some of the resources that you, that you guys offer or, you know, can you, can you give me a website or, or different programming oh, yeah, that people sure. can find? You, you go to the Réseau Compassion uh, Network uh, website and we had a whole section of programs or offerings, mindful self-compassion, uh, uh, the MBSR program, uh, compassion cultivation. There's a bunch of different uh, opportunities for people to take a look at. We uh, we make those investments so that, uh, you know, people work in our uh, network organizations. Uh, you know, it's just a small token of of, of, of of an investment we can make that, that hopefully will help them uh, in their journey as care providers and and we think the net result is a benefit for the care provider but also that connection and that care that they'll be uh, offering every encounter that they have with the people they're called to serve right yeah what do you think the next big hurdle is going to be in the next say six months to a year when it comes to sort of the just general wellness of of our communities yeah, I, I think uh, I think you've hit it already on the head you know mental health uh, mental health's a big one um, sense of disconnection for a lot of people for a long period of time uh you know we, we joke about that celebration you know the big party after you mm -hmm. know what i think uh, yeah there'll be lots of big parties but i think there's gonna be a lot of meaningful connections for people where they're just you know hopefully we'll be able to get the energy they need after a long prolonged kind of disconnect um just to be well again right yeah um so yeah, I think that's a big and it's a big hurdle for for all of us moving forward. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm looking forward to the day where we can get back at that because uh, I think uh, you know mental health within our um, caring professions is, is going to be a challenge. Uh, the, the residue of of you know 18 months, 24 months of uh, the enormous efforts people have been putting in day in and day out is going to certainly have an effect. So we need to be there for people. Um, so yeah, it's it, there's going to be lots to consider and lots to think about when we move on. Yeah, I learned a new term. If we move on, right? Yeah, I learned a new term recently called residual trauma, where you know it's you don't go through the trauma, but if you're caring for someone who who is or does, then like you're you can't help but but be affected by that, right? And and I didn't even know that existed before, and I don't think like our gen like even 20 years ago we would even have an understanding of that concept. And you know, it's, there's so many people who have had PTSD or any number of issues after going through really really difficult situations, and and a worldwide pandemic is going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. so traumatic for people yeah and and rather than a challenge what i'm really uh really excited about um is a renewed interest in how we care for our elders right hey let's uh we can do better right um uh, we can do much better right yeah and so i think that's that's an exciting opportunity um you know i think uh hopefully the conversation around a more uh, equitable economy for people to be able to participate in, that we don't lose sight of, uh, you know, the, the the effect and the traumatic effect in certain sectors. And so what about that? Um, you know, our caring economy itself and the investments we make, right? Um, and, I, and, I, and I was reading an article around the value, and I think this is important, you know, the value we place on the work being done and the actual amount we pay, right? I think people woke up going, wow, I got to, this wonderful person that every day has been caring for my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, uh, we're paying them, you know, 12, 15, I don't know. So there's an imp important conversations that, that are coming out of this that I hope, uh, that I hope we don't lose sight of. Yeah. Those are the opportunities to, you know, get at some bigger questions around, you know, inequality and barriers and yeah. you know, talking about social justice and, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's see though, you know, um, it's all there. There's work to be done. But we, and well, especially the conversation around essential workers, who's essential. And then you, you, you think about who kept the world going, who was taking care of us, you know, who was allowing people to still live basically. And then you think about, okay, that's just, you're only going to, they, they don't even get minimum wage or, you know, like what, what, what how, how is this? How are we allowing this in our society, right? It's 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 starting to ask those questions. That yeah, that, yeah, and they're important questions, right? Um, and again, you know, I don't think I don't think they're they're new conversations. And and thank you to uh, the people over decades that keep doing the advocacy around these these important questions. But I think COVID nineteen enhanced 
uh, enhanced these issues or, or amplified is probably a better word, yeah. um, where where these conversations are happening much more often in much different circles than perhaps they did before. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hopeful piece, right? That's the opportunity in front of us. Yeah, very well said. Let's see if we seize it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All well, fingers crossed, eh? For sure. Well, at the end of our time together, Dan, we do a little segment called Just Because, where it's the same seven questions I asked. You've already answered a few of them, but we're going to ask just in case. Are you okay to do that for us? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, great. Question one, what is the first cause, maybe aside from the radio, what, what's the very first thing you even remember caring about and being like, I got I to gotta spend some time helping this cause out? Oh, you know, I got to go back to the radio. That Is was it? the one that was most important for me because it, it opened up a whole door, a, mm. a whole world, a whole, it just started a journey for me that was just extraordinary. So yeah, that was the one that really, that really got me jazzed up and, and some something pulled on me to get, get involved. It kicked things off, I guess. Yeah. Like I, you know, I could think through, you know, school and other things and I was, uh, I was playing a lot of sports and that kind of stuff, but, but the thing that got me uh, kind of moving a bit was this one particular situation and boom, that was it. Community radio. Were you a disc jockey back then? As oh, well? God, no. No. <laughs> no. You'd be a good personality on the radio. I could see. I could oh, see. I, be a good show. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, so question two, if money and politics and logistics were no issue for you at all, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? Yeah, we've been thinking a lot about um, uh, housing. Again, kudos to mm. people for decades that that have kept on kept on the message. Uh, you know, look, this is simple, right? Like everyone everyone needs a roof over their heads. So l let's go. We know what the numbers are. We know what they look like. We we've got you know we can, we understand what the challenge is looking like. Let's let's get it done. Let's let's get some safe, affordable, quality housing. Let's build some communities that 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 are wrapped around with services that are going to be there for whatever those needs are. Really to create that runway for someone to reach their full potential. Let's create these kind, caring environments. Let's go. Like yeah. let, let, let's get on it. Uh, there's so many other things that are wrapped up in that conversation. Uh, that you know this is one of these upstream things. If we did this well, you know, uh, who knows, uh, the, the, the lives we can, we can support that could be whatever they will be. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, for the fiscal economists, you know, maybe, maybe the spend on the massive foot, the healthcare footprint right now, uh, might go down a little bit, right. Yeah, Cause we're exactly. getting, getting everybody at the, at the end of the, you know, at the, the wrong end of the journey exactly yeah going upstream and solving that issue is so and it's not even arguable and it's not a debate you know all sides of the argument are like get people room and safety and they their lives will improve tremendously and, and nolan like i gotta plug out all the organizations that are already doing this and 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 they the solutions are there the people are there the providers are there they know their stuff we just need to amplify and invest and, and give them the tools they need to get it done, right? Very well said. Uh, question three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I, I don't know if I'll do this uh, justice, but I'll, I'll give it a crack. Um, you know, I still hear, uh, oh, come on, just pull your boots up, right? Um, and, you know, I suppose... Perhaps I could wrap my head around this, some rational argument if things were equal, pull your boots up. But it's not. Things aren't equal. They haven't been. And we're starting to hear and have more meaningful conversations around that. Things are inequitable <laughs> uh, economically. Uh, we're talking about racism. Uh, we're talking about institutional racism. Uh, we're talking discrimination. We're talking gender biases. I mean, all these things, uh, privilege. And here's a guy, that, oh man, like, who am I, right? Um, and so it's not equal. And so it requires a response and it requires us to uh, work together uh, to, to create those opportunities and pathways for everyone to reach their, their full potential. And so, so that's the stigma for me still. I still hear that and going... There's important conversations happening now and they're, and they're happening and I'm yeah. glad for that. And that's where the hopeful piece comes that uh, we're having them. And uh, you know, I know everyone can say, you know, let's stop talking, get to action. Right. Um, you know, it, yeah, 
Yeah, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful there's more yeah. of these conversations. People are understanding it better. You know, even just reconciliation, right? Mm-hmm. Our colonial mm-hmm. conditioning, you know, mm-hmm. all that. It's yeah. important. And those are the things I hope are going to be some little breakthroughs for us to see some action out there. Yeah. The uh, experiment or the version of that that best illustrates it, I think, is the gym teacher who has his... Uh, have you heard this one? Where, where I saw it. Yeah. Oh, you saw it in real life? So basically, the gym teacher sets up you know, his 15 kids on the line. Everyone's at the starting line for a race. And then he says, okay, if, you know, if both your parents are together take two steps forward. If, uh, if you, whatever the case, like if your parents are employed, take two steps forward. If you, if you've, if you've never missed a day of school, take two steps forward. Like there's so many different little, if you had breakfast this morning, you know, people don't even realize that their starting position at, for the start of the race is already miles ahead of someone who didn't even have breakfast that morning. That's one of those videos. Uh, I, I saw a video of, of, mm. of that in, in action. That's one of those videos that should could just continue to be sent out and sent out and sent out and sent yeah. out. And sent out. It, does, it, it, just, it just brings the message home in, in a very powerful way. Yeah, absolutely. Question four, what's a time in your life that you had to pivot because plan A wasn't working out, so you had to go with plan B? <laughs> I kind of laughed when I saw that question. Boy, you want, you want me to tell you how my day went today? Um, yeah, all kidding aside, look, look pivoting... <laughs> And if we don't know how to pivot and adapt, we're all we're all in trouble because that's the that's where the world uh, the world is at. It's uh, it's always uncertain and always changing. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about one project in particular, and it's you know it's tied to the actually the housing conversation. So we, we had bought a piece of property and uh, tried to put together a, a plan, not not knowing a lot. We just started to get into this. It's probably four or five years ago. Uh, yeah, and for some who may be listening, and well, welcome to the party. You're kind of late. You're right. Uh, we're we're trying to trying to do our best to to, to, to catch up here. Um, and again, just for a lot of reasons, partners, a whole bunch of things. Just was we're trying so hard to get this thing going. Just just couldn't get just couldn't get it going. And uh, in this in this case, it wasn't necessarily a pivot. We just said, okay, stop, just just stop. Like we're this 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 round peg's not going in the square hole. The square hole's getting bigger, and the peg's getting smaller. And sometimes a peg, you know, it's just yeah. stop. We tried too many things. It, it's just not going to happen. Um, and again, uh, uh, that was probably the right move because you know I look at it today right now, and again, you know, just a few years a few years later, uh, here we are, and uh, you know, a couple of programs are in place. Uh, you know, partners are back into this conversation, and lo and behold, we're 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 back at it. It, it, it. A little different, but we've got something going, right? And so, you know, you know, pivot pivot's a good place. You know, you always got to pivot and adapt. Uh, but I'm also learning too. Like, you know, sometimes you got to know just to say and stop doesn't mean give up. Stop sometimes might just be pause, right? Yeah. You just got to pause this, right? Yeah. And uh, some. Some things just happen, right? Yeah. I work for you know an organization is created by uh, uh, you know religious women, great nuns in particular. They would use the term you know that was Providence, Dan, and I'd go yeah 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 yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, anyways, so uh, yeah, that, that that's an example. What's that saying? It's it's like a, a, an average plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow, or I don't know what I butchered it, but you know yeah yeah something like that. You got to be willing to just adjust on the fly you got to be okay with some uncertainty because boy uh that's uh yeah there you go it's uncertain times question five what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given yeah i yeah i've been given lots of great uh, gems over the years from just wonderful people but uh, one that came to mind uh for me was uh just a colleague of mine she's just a a great uh, great person uh you know on this kind of compassion exploration journey in fact she was she was in great deal uh, responsible for leading this and, 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 and getting us going down the road. Um, and, and, uh, we don't, you know, she'd often come in and say, you know, Dan, remember, there's always uh, an equal amount of light as there is a darkness in a day. Okay. And I know that saying said in so many different ways for other, other, uh, uh, you know, people, but it really, uh, you know, really helped me a lot of times, uh, to start to appreciate, you know, when things are going good, even small things, just appreciate them well. And that when things aren't going so well, you know, that's part of life. It's part of the human condition. And, you know, has it a, a enabled me sometimes to, you know, be a little lighter in those moments. And, you know, this notion of this too shall pass, you know, both the joys and sorrows of, of, of life. Um, 
and yeah, it's helped me, you know, maybe, maybe be, think a little less seriously of myself. Uh, but it's been, it's been, uh, and it continues to be something. And I, I do not want to leave you with the impression that I've figured that all out. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, but it's certainly given me pause to, uh, to draw back on that uh, little tidbit uh, lots of different times, right? And that's where hope comes from, right? Uh, yeah. Where you can start to see uh, sometimes when things aren't going well that, you know, hey, there's still stars out there, right? Very well said. So, anyways, there you go. Uh, that that's, uh, that's something it. I've cherished. I uh, I got goosebumps because my partner and I were literally last night discussing just a, a pretty heavy situation, uh, and she said that exact thing. Like, there's an equal amount of darkness that that there is in in, in light, and yeah, and it's okay. Like, you know, I, I don't want to minimize uh, you know people who go through some real uh, prolonged tough times. I mean, that's uh, that's real too. I don't want to. And, and it's not always easy to say, oh, we's looking yeah. on the bright side. No, that, that's sure. not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Uh, it's context and perspective, right? It's context and context perspective. Context and perspective. Maybe we're a little lighter in this moments. Maybe yeah. we can endure those moments a little better, right? Maybe we can be a little more kinder uh, to ourselves in those moments. And yeah. uh and and five away you know life life is going to be like this and that's the human condition and i've always been interested and i've failing miserably so far is you know both the joys and sorrows over time if i can just learn how to manage those better maybe the line looks a little more like that but you still have these indentations right but it's my reaction to those that becomes a little more pleasant and again you get into the more more gratitude for things both the light and the dark and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, presence again, right? Or my yeah. ability to be present in those moments without, you know, it being the ecstasy of the joys and the sorrows of the lows. Anyways, too much, too much no, information. No, it's, it's, that's, it's such a relevant conversation because over the last maybe two or three years, I personally have been um, learning to be present in the negative and be present in the dark moments of life. And because I think, I, I don't know if I was raised or, you know, or if just culturally I was kind of taught that, oh no, like don't, don't be a wuss, like don't cry, don't be, oh. avoid, basically avoid pain at all costs. But I've learned only recently that when you're going through something painful or anxiety inducing or whatever, to be present with it, to like sit with it and, and, and experience the emotions. And, and it's a, it's, it's kind of a profound uh, awakening once you realize like even the valleys, Spend time in the valleys. Don't just try to get out as soon as you can and avoid it at all costs, right? You know, and I think, uh, you know, you're talking about being vulnerable, right? And uh, again, I, I, I hope I'm not... Uh, I haven't figured this, uh, this stuff <laughs> Of course. So of I'm course. not going to... Uh, uh, and, and I'm far from an expert either. But, you know, I am curious about being vulnerable, right? And particularly for guys, you never, yeah. you can't be vulnerable. A hundred percent. The culture, the environment of that, and that's been a big part of, uh, you know, a really part of my life. And I'm also thinking about that in, in, in work environments, right? Where we, we, you know, we, you know, just, I think it was mental health week last week or a couple of weeks ago. I just, I'm sorry if I can't remember the dates, mm-hmm. um, but this whole notion of vulnerability. And even when it comes to leadership, right? Uh, we we tend to have this sense of you know super superwoman superman you know tough um, and and vulnerability doesn't have its place and uh, and I think that that's uh, I, it's not healthy I don't think uh, you know still, anyways I think there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations around all yeah. that I think are important and uh, have an impact on 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 culture and an organization and yeah. and and our lives and uh, yeah they're important conversations yeah for sure and I I think. Um... It seems like, at least in my social media bubble and my circles, that we're starting to break away those layers of, oh, yeah. of, of, of you know, uh, without hiding. a doubt. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, there's a, you know, the 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 hopefulness of all this is, it's moving. I think yeah. it's moving in the right direction. Agreed. There's, you know, I think what we've lived in the past four years is almost a slingshot thing, where we gotta we gotta retrench back to some old because we're really scared of that new way of being. And I'm hopeful that that's all it is. And then once we let go of that, boom, we're gonna hopefully, you know, all these big issues we're talking about, you know, hopefully on an accelerated path now, yeah. um, we'll we'll get going right, yeah. whatever that timeline might look like. Yeah, for sure. Very well said. Question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could speak to him right now? 
I'd love to have this conversation with my 10 year old self. And I had that conversation then my life would have been, uh, some moments would have been probably lived a little differently, probably wouldn't have taken myself too seriously. Uh, and it probably would have been helpful on a many, many occasions. Yeah. Very well said. Well, Dan, thank you very much. The last question is usually the hardest one. Um, question seven is what do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think like everyone, you, you know, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully my kids uh, thought I did an okay job to give them a, a platform for them to get on with, with whatever adventures await them. Um, you know, hopefully my, my, my partner and friends thought I was kind to them. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and yeah. And, and, and I think uh, like everyone too, like, you know, hopefully, I made a commitment or, or, or did something that uh, that's been able to make uh, the world a better place for, for somebody else. Right. Uh, that that's good enough. And, and, and then maybe, you know, uh, and he wore these, these old sweaters that still have holes in them. Nice. Uh, that, that would be nice too. Well, I'm going to remember you already having made my life better. Thank you for your time. Uh, good luck with your in your new role at the, on the board of the Winnipeg Foundation. Good luck with Réseau Compassion Network. Yeah, and, you got uh, it. And uh, thank you very much for talking to us today. Thanks, Nolan. It's been fun uh, meeting you and chatting. Thank you again to Dan Lucet, such an inspiring and a motivating person and a great conversation. You can really tell he has a huge heart and cares you know, so much about making our city and world a better place. I feel very privileged to be able to talk to people like this every week and just come away with such a profound inspiration and just wanting to get out there and, and make the world better. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, thanks again to Dan for sharing his wisdom and, and his stories and, and uh, why he does what he does. If you enjoyed this conversation, um, please share it with a friend or family member. Let people know about the podcast. I know personally the only time I, I try new podcasts or even new shows or anything on Netflix and stuff when, is when a friend recommends them. So if you've got a friend who's interested in uh, you know the things we talk about here, philanthropy or trying trying to make the world a better place if you have any people who are in need of a good story or or, or just want to hear a good conversation about people that are trying to do their best and trying to improve things here uh, let them know about because and effect it really helps us out and thank you for listening thanks for listening this this much and uh, listening this deep all 50 some minutes already so yeah it's it's uh it's great to have you if you'd like more good news stories about the philanthropic sector in our city, you can also check out Because Radio. It's our weekly radio show from the Winnipeg Foundation. Normally it airs at 93.7 CGNU every Thursday, but it's also streaming online at becauseradio.org. That's B-E-C-A-U-S-E radio.org. All music on the Because and Effect podcast is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com. Because in Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. To learn more about the foundation, visit WPGFDN.org or search at WPGFDN on all social media platforms. I'm at Nolan Bicknell on all socials. Thank you for listening to the show. And remember, no one has ever become poor by giving. Bye-bye. <laughs>